Hello and welcome to the Brothers F podcast. I'm joined today by my brother Juan Pablo. Hey guys. Today we will be discussing the Tell Tale Heart by Edgar Allan Poe.、Um, this is a very short story, only four pages, about two characters.、Um, we'll call one character the narrator. He or she, we're not given, you know, a, a gender or sex, and、um, it ultimately. Describes. We'll just refer to him as him here on out, just to, so we don't have to keep on saying he or she throughout the podcast. But just know that the we're never given the gender. But、um, he kind of describes his act of killing the second character, the old man.、Um, and he he goes on and on、um, about describing the the act of of killing this man because not because he hates the old man. No, he does not hate the old man. He's obsessed with the old man's vulture eye, and he talks about his crime. In short, about how he went in for a week straight into the room, slowly, slowly, slowly creeping the door open, pulling his thread head through with a lamp that had been covered, and then showing the gleam of the lamp, and then seeing the old man asleep, and how he wasn't able to kill the old man because it wasn't the old man he hated. It was the vulture eye that he hated, and finally, on the eighth day, long story short, he、uh, creeps into the room very slowly, and、um, he talks about how the old man wakes up from his slumber. He、um, he hears the narrator entering the room, and how he doesn't move for more than an hour. In his words, he actually put it quite well.、Um, A watch's minute hand moves more quickly than did mine on that eighth day when the older man awoke from his slumber. But the older man doesn't go back to sleep because he senses there's someone in there. And after an hour of standing in in, in darkness and silence, he lets a sliver fly of、um, of the lamp. He lets a sliver open and he sees the vulture eye, and then commits the crime. And、uh, this the story Edgar Allan Poe really describes quite. Quite fat in a very fascinating way,、um, just how he goes about doing the moment, and then you know,、uh, the old man shrieks,、um, and and the narrator then proceeds to kill him. And a few hours after that, some police show up to the house saying they had received a complaint from a neighbor, or from some neighbors of the、uh, of a shriek arising from the house, and.、Um, The narrator is convinced he has, you know, hidden his crime perfectly. He dismembered the body, put it underneath the floor panes. There was not a stain in sight, and he actually willingly leads the police throughout his whole. We don't know if it's a house, apartment, or whatever. And we're not sure if it's his. And we're not even sure if it's his. That's a good point. It's probably the old man's. We are. We are actually not even sure as to what the relationship between the narrator and the old man is. Are they? You know, father and child are they? Is the servant and master? Is the narrator they... a nurse or exactly? And、um, eventually, you know, the cops don't suspect anything. But then, in his mind, he begins to hear the beating heart of the old man、oh, in the... his mind, and it goes louder and louder and louder. And the police don't notice anything, but he hears this in his mind. It finally drives him to insanity, and he confesses that he committed the crime, and he shows them where the body is, and there the story ends. Yes, there's there's a lot in this story.、Um, I guess there's one thing to be said that it's kind of 
Edgar Allan Poe does have a reputation for writing very dark stories. That's mm-hmm. one thing that we should bring up. Yeah. I think when I first heard Edgar Allan Poe, and when we first read this story, actually, I read it with my uh, seventh grade English class. We read it for Halloween. So it's like, it's a dark story. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's good for And for time. Edgar Allan Poe to be selecting a story of his for Halloween, you know it's got to be dark. Yeah, it's it's dark. But yeah, there's a lot that plays into this. And I think... One thing that we should start out with, because it kind of starts out in the beginning of the story, is his his trying to prove that he's not crazy. But in trying to prove that, he proves that he's crazy. I mean, you can kind of see that when he's like, no, but you see, I, I did it so smartly. I like I dismembered the body and put it under the floorboards, and I didn't leave a stain in sight. That's his proof for him not being crazy. I mean, let's just say the guy's crazy. Let's put it out there, right, Leo? Yeah, and that's kind of a really uh, neat... I guess you could argue one of the central tenets of the story is... Uh, if that's a word, if that's a word. One of the central themes of this story is, uh, is really that the narrator is not so concerned with proving his innocence as much as he is with proving his sanity. In fact, the first... Um, word of the story is true and that could be interpreted in a variety of ways right he could be responding to a judge saying true i did kill the guy but or or true i acknowledge it i i kind of read it as an acknowledgement of his guilt but he's not so concerned with whether he's guilty or innocent he's more concerned with proving that he's a sane man and several times throughout here he's like if you think i'm crazy if you think i'm mad well then I did this, and he goes on, as, as uh, Hwampi mentioned, to, to, to describe the details and how meticulous he was in, in performing Which this crime. Which is just, crime. it's, I hate to say funny, but it kind of is funny in the way he puts it. He's like, but but I, I covered him with floorboards after dismembering him. If you're like a same person looking at it through that lens, it's like, it's almost kind of humorous to think about it that way. It's, it's very interesting. Yeah, like, I guess, keep in mind that this is a four-page short story. So, uh, you know, kind of on... on it's very third, doable on the third, for... On the third page of uh, of the four pages, so about three-fourths of the way through, he has this line. If still you think me mad, you will think so no longer when I describe the wise precautions I took for the concealment of the body. The night waned and I worked hastily but in silence. First of all, I dismembered the corpse. I cut off the head, arms, and and the legs. I then took up three planks from the flooring of the chamber and deposited all between the scantlings. I then replaced the board so cleverly, so cunningly, that no human eye, not even his, could have detected anything wrong. He's using the fact that he committed this crime so meticulously as, you know, proof of his sanity when in reality... It's just proving how insane he really is. And I guess another, um, you know, attribute of his that really kind of proves how insane he is, is the fact that he's so obsessed with the eye. He's not mad at the old man. He actually, you know, as, as, as I alluded to earlier, um, he couldn't bring himself. He had gone there for a week straight and couldn't bring himself to kill the old man because the old man was asleep and he couldn't look at the eye. And it wasn't the old man he hated. It was his yeah. quote-unquote vulture eye. Yeah. So, like, I think you kind of got to re-examine yourself when you're, like, looking at this guy and you're like, 
oh, I can't kill him because he's got his eye closed, but once he opens his eye, I'm going to kill him. It's like, what the heck? No way. One thing to bring up that you kind of had in there before, that in that quote that you read, is uh, this part. I then replaced the board so cleverly, so cunningly, that no human eye, not even his, his being in italics, in italics could have detected anything wrong. The narrator here, he thinks that... um that his eye is superior somehow, or it's just better well, he somehow. It's, it's a, he thinks it's a wicked eye. It's a vulture eye. It's a, I know, but he says, like, later on, he says, no human eye, not even his. Not even his. Mm -hmm. I feel like that kind of shows that he must think it's, like, a better eye or something. Yeah, or maybe or it's that, evil, it but it's has, better. Um, to me, it kind of gave kind of... Uh, kind of uh, awoke feelings of like he thinks it's a sinister eye. Uh, I don't know why. You know, obviously, for those who have read the Lord of the Rings, maybe think of the eye of uh, of, of of Sauron. But um, yeah, like yeah, it, it, to me it invoked uh, feelings of wickedness, of evil, of sorcery. But yeah, no, he thinks it's a, it's just it's something. So he thinks this this eye is worth killing the man over. No, because uh, he's willing to kill him to never have to glance at that eye again. It's insane. It yeah. really is. I guess, you know, we can address the end of this short story, which is really kind of his guilt. Or, it's really interesting. Or a culmination of his insanity, you know, um, where he, uh, you know, he's gone through all these, this meticulous planning to hide his crime. There's not a trace in sight. The police don't suspect anything. And he starts hearing the man's heartbeat, who, you know, previous the way he found I mean, the way he confirmed that the old man was dead was uh was by you know feeling his hand and making sure there was no the reason pulse. he hit, he killed him was because he thought his heartbeat was so loud that the neighbors no, would hear him. no no he killed him because of the eye like he, that was his plan yeah no time. but like what he, but the reason he smothered him yeah it's because he could hear the heartbeat yeah, yeah, yeah. and so and then he waited until he couldn't hear the heartbeat anymore put his hand you know on on the dead man's wrist for several minutes to ensure there was no pulse and then the ending is is really interesting it's really curious it's kind that, of abrupt um he starts hearing you know at first it's like a ringing in his ear he describes it and then it grows louder and louder and he identifies it as um as the old man's pulse as the old man's heart beating and he's and he and he describes it as an extremely growing extremely loud noise growing louder and louder and he's notes that the, the policeman across him who he invited to sit in the room kind of a, i think because he's so insane as a way of you know showing oh look my crime has been so perfectly committed and also you know he just feels so confident in the way he hid i mean and the, and the policemen don't suspect anything and here he is he's hearing the old man's heart grow louder and louder and louder and louder and um I kind of interpreted that as his guilt, as his, um, you know, as, as him no longer being able to stand having committed this act of terror. Mm -hmm. One thing that I think we kind of jumped the gun on is his, um, the way that he doesn't even show any sense of regret, honestly, to killing this guy. He, he, he doesn't even say, like, I'm sorry or... The only time he starts to feel uncomfortable after killing the dude and dismembering his body and hiding it under floorboards 
is um is when he starts to hear a heartbeat. It's like it's haunting him. But I I feel like he doesn't show any any like remorse or scaredness before that. And what he just starts to show scaredness. That's kind of um that's an interesting. Yeah, he, yeah. While he's committing the crime, he, he definitely shows no guilt. He's proud of how he went about exactly. it. Exactly. He's, but it's not until you know, he's confronted with it in a way by the cops being there, even though he's hit it so perfectly. Um, he hit the body so perfectly. It's not until he's confronted by the police who don't even suspect it was him, because he invites him into his apartment or house or, or the old folks' home. We don't even know what it is, right? And uh, when he's confronted with it, he finally starts to, he's, he's hit by this feeling of grief, I think it is. Or maybe it's just his insanity. He really sincerely believes that he's hearing this heartbeat, which he does. But whether that's a form of guilt or whether it's just a complex yeah, psychological disease, or you know, there's, I'm not a psychologist or psychiatrist, but you know, you, you, you you really think that he may suffer, he may be, you know, suffering from. I know. I mean, we can't make any like diagnoses but here, but uh, he's clearly like he's he's not mentally well. Yeah, yeah, he's not mentally well. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean, I feel like one thing, like we keep on bringing up, like we don't know the gender, we don't know where they are, we don't know any of this stuff. We don't know if if it takes place in the old folks home or. If they're in the city or if they're in the country. And I feel like that's kind of done on purpose to make the story more grave. Make the story, I don't know, what word would you use for that? Yeah, not more grave. Um, you, you guys get what I mean. Uh, just trying to make it sound more severe. Like, it definitely adds to it that instead of telling us, you know, in... Uh, in Sunnyville, in January fifteenth, uh, eighteen fifty, whatever, um, you know, it definitely adds to it that there's a mystery. It just jumps in. I'm not crazy. I killed the guy so well. Like, what are you talking about? It just adds so much. Like, kind of the lack of detail here, kind of turns into so much detail here. The, yeah. yeah, like the not using of detail and not putting in where they are and what they're doing. Turns, it adds to the intrigue it for sure. Adds, it almost turns itself into detail. And I think that's uh, that's part of what makes Edgar Allan Poe such a, such a great and prolific author, really. Is, you know, he this is four pages. We're just, you know, we've been talking about for over 15 minutes, four pages. And in those four p- pages, he, you know, discloses so much about a character. And we see a character develop so much from, you know, a short you know, description of his act and how he went about it and, you know, that internal kind of struggle he has at the end. I think, you know, it's 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 really Im- impressive what Edgar Allan Poe was able to do. And I guess part of the reason of why he why he's so famous, I know he wasn't the first to do this, but he's definitely the most famous mm-hmm. to do this, uh, you know, from that period. And, you know, you could argue even today. I mean, when you hear Edgar Allan Poe, I think most people would know who he is. He definitely, it brings up, it's just, first of all, the telltale heart. I feel like even people who don't know what the, uh, who Edgar Allan Poe is, probably must, might know 
want the tail to heart or vice versa. And it's just, it's Edgar Allan Poe and the tail to heart, I feel like, are so famous. And I feel like it's because there's, it's so short, but there's so much in it. There's so much to discuss about, so much to think about. And it's, it's so much and so little. It's really, it almost, it almost makes you feel kind of greedy. Like, yeah, it does. Like, you get to know so much from the book in just so little. I mean, and I think, yeah, it, it is really neat how um, you kind of experience two contrasts, right? On the one hand, you have this really detailed description of how he went about, you know, murdering this old man and, and the struggle he had and how brought, he, went, and yeah. he went, went about doing that. And on yeah. the other hand, you have almost no description at all about the relationship between this old man and the narrator, right? Or really any details about the old man or the narrator at all, aside from the eye. And it, it you know, that kind of, I think, lets itself to interpretation, right? Because one reading of this is, you could literally say, well, the narrator is truly just obsessed with the physical eye of this person, right? Physical, this eye is driving him insane. This pale blue eye, as he describes it. But because there's so little detail there, you can almost, Edgar Allan Poe is almost inviting you to, um, you know, kind of bring your own interpretations into this, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe the eyes representative of something greater, right? Maybe the old man himself is representative of something greater. You know, maybe it's, is kind of uh, you know a symbol of authority or, or dominance over someone, or maybe yeah. the eye is a, a symbol of virtue, some sort of uh, virtue that parents are trying to instill to instill you know in, in their children, or maybe the relationship's not that at all. But Edgar Allan Poe really invites that. You know, it, it, the description of the murder is so detailed, but on the other hand, the description of the relationship well, that's that's non-existent, and so. And that's that, definitely I'm, intentional. I'm certain and that's the, that, that's intentional, yeah. and, and he's inviting you to really kind of use your imagination to, there. I feel like in a lot of good works of literature and a lot of good stories and stuff, a lot of times the author leaves things up to um, to the reader's discretion. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that the author will do to maybe leave it up to the reader to be like, well, maybe the narrator was his son, or maybe he was a total stranger who was like Living staying at his home, yeah. or had access to his bedroom. Exactly, not a total stranger, but like maybe he was like an inn. Maybe the old man was with an inn. Yeah, I, you don't know, and there's a lot that could be put in, like, so that the reader can think, well, maybe he did have a really good relationship with this guy, and he. Just this eye kept on eating him up. Or maybe this guy was, like, staying at his... This guy's in. Like, it's just left up to the reader's discretion and all that. And, like, the gory stuff is left there so that the reader can't have a choice with that stuff. But the reader can have a choice with how the um, the narrator... What the narrator's relationship is with the old man. What the narrator's relationship is with kind of the place that he's doing it. And with his sanity, which is yeah, definitely yeah. And and in that same vein, 
you know, very related to what we were just talking about. We're not really given a motivation for the murder besides really his obsession with this eye. And so that really also uh, lends itself to a lot of interpretation, right? So not only their relationship in general, but why is he killing this guy in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. Is it really all because he has a pale blue eye? Probably Or is not. there, you know, something more to be... Maybe the pale blue eye that? is symbolizing something. Well, that, that's that's the whole point, right? Well, that's yeah, I know that's what so you were vague. just saying, but like... Yeah, yeah I, I know what you were just saying, but like... Sorry. I know that's what you were just saying, but... I, it definitely symbolizes something, or maybe not definitely. Maybe this guy's just crazy. Maybe that's just adds to the well, scariness that, of this that's thing. That's the point, right? The guy, the guy's clearly crazy. But what is it that's motivating him to kill this guy? You know, mm-hmm. is it literally just this guy has a very sinister? You'd have to assume, you know, most like most people, his other eye probably looks the same as that eye, right? You or, know, I don't think eyes. so because well, I think it's a glass eye. That's what I've always what imagined think? it. That's what you've imagined, but it, it's not really. Yeah, I know. It's he never left up it's to the author's eye. discretion. He never Although, says it's a glass but eye. he says it's his one eye that he focuses on. That's that's the whole point, right? So he focuses on this one eye, but what's to say we have nothing to believe that his other eye wouldn't be any would be a different color, would be, you know, obviously Wumpy over here assumed it was a, a glass eye, but but maybe someone never... assumes he doesn't have an eye, another yeah. eye. Yeah, I mean, nowhere here does it say. That he has a glass eye or it doesn't have another eye so kind of you know lets you lets you really kind of use your imagination to see you know what would drive this guy what is it that really drives the guy to want to kill the older guy and mm-hmm. you could you know just claim you know it's just the guy's insane which he clearly is but what is the true motivation behind you and that's another place where the reader kind of has to use, use the reader's discretion use, the, use imagination you know and and really, uh, really kind of expand upon that on your own. So that's that's kind of another. You're given such a detailed plot on how the murder takes place, but you don't even really know why the murder is taking place. So I know, but I don't know. You'll never, you're never, you're never gonna fully know. It's just, it, it's just very strange. It's, I guess he does have Edgar Allan Poe does have this, um, this reputation for being scary and spooky and trying to freak people out but well he definitely does it well that's that's what i'm gonna say he definitely does it well here yeah and i guess you know with that we can probably segue into closing thoughts if i could give it like a five star rating i would give it probably a four and a half four nice because i don't know it's it's readable it's short it's very detailed it's a good story it's thought-provoking it works really well. I, I think I would give it a four and a half, four, four and a half, maybe in a five-star review, honestly. I really liked it. Thank you very much for that. And I guess I'll uh, give my kind of closing thoughts here. I think kind of building off of what uh, Pablo gave, said over here, you know, I think it's very well written. It's, uh, you know, as we've discussed these past uh, 25 minutes, it lends itself to a lot of, you know, imagination there's some very vivid detail and at the same time a lot of ambiguity and that's something that's really neat and allows kind of the reader to fill in the gaps you know like for instance when Pablo was really convinced this was a glass eye and and I wasn't you know I I wasn't and that that's all like how an example of how you guys can go on on different trails when you read this and I guess um and I guess uh 
you know, I, I will note before Humpy adds what he wants to add. Um, you know, part of the reasons we're doing, we do cover these short stories like these is, uh, you know, we understand that your listeners can't read every single book that we cover, right? You know, there's six of us, there's, there's each of each listener is an individual listener. And we hope that, you know, when we cover four page short stories like these, that you yeah. can um, read along and maybe kind of follow our analysis too, and hope maybe you'll provide some feedback as well. Anyway, sorry for cutting you off. Yeah, sorry. Um, I, I just wanted to put in just a last closing thought. Uh, if you have somebody that, you know, would be interested in talking about this story with you, I definitely suggest that you you talk about the story with them and then you guys bring your thoughts and come back and listen to this and see how it compares. I feel like that's opening up the table and I feel like it really works. This story works, I think, Maybe even kind of the best way the story works is by um, by talking about it and really seeing what the other person thinks. I always used to think that the story by the guy, the old guy had a black eye, uh, glass eye. Diego never thought that. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, I feel like opening up this table to discussion and then talking about it with someone else and then coming back here and thinking about what happened, I feel like that's really great. So, yeah, that's, that's a fair point, definitely, and course uh, you know anytime you can uh, discuss stories with someone else you know and, and listen to our podcast it's it's always uh it just you know kind of if you're really looking to get something out of you know a, a book or a story whether it's a short story or a thousand page novel it's always good to be able to discuss it with someone and see kind of what they may have uh gleaned from it well, anyway, I think uh, that kind of brings us to uh, to the conclusion of our podcast. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Um, yeah. This was a blast. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, hope to hope, see you next time. We hope that you'll, uh, yeah, you'll continue listening yeah. to our podcast. So thank you very much. See you next time, guys. Just wanted to make sure that you subscribe to the Brothers F on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, if you have Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, make sure to follow us there too. See you next time on the Brothers F.